Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. tonight for the very first time. This is not anything new in in the realm of ideas. It is new to us here at Hatchman Apostolic Church. And so we want to welcome each and every one of you to HAC Forum, the very first. And we're calling this Generation to Generation. Amid the ever-changing dynamic of our world, the world that we live in, and everything that seems to be going on while people as a whole are seeking new answers to age-old questions. They're trying to make sense of their lives and asking age-old questions, trying to answer them with, with new ideas, new philosophies, attempting to find direction by implementing cutting-edge, quote-unquote cutting-edge, philosophies and trends, but I believe that in this day, even though we live in a day that's changing every day, that the church still needs to stand on the foundation that brought us to where we are, even to this very moment, takes us to where we are today. I believe the church must stand on that foundation. We can't step away from it. We must do what the Bible says. What the Lord said, he said in Jeremiah 6 and 16, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. And so with that, we're going to do that very thing tonight. We're going to ask the questions. We're going to seek the old paths from some elders that have lived among us for years. They are certainly not out of the picture, but they are more vital to us today than they ever have been. So tonight, we're just going to sit here, we're going to have a conversation, and you're going to be able to listen in on what the Bible says we should be doing, and that's every chance we get, we talk about the goodness of God and where he's brought us and what he's done for us. All of our panel members here tonight have served in their own various ways and capacities, very unique ways in, in capacities in church function and in ministry. Sister Merle Newburn that sits here in the middle has served this church for many, many years and has been a vital, vital part of this church for many, many years. In the early years, she's been a pillar of this community and of this church family. Brother Gibson, to your right, to my left, has served and operated in many functions and many offices of, of ministries. Pastored, he's a teacher. He's given to the ministry of helps. He's done the work of, a, of an evangelist in, 
he is a vital part of this church's ongoing ministry, even today. Sister Vivian Osborne that sits directly to my left has served in ministry in very many, many different facets. Again, has been given to the ministry of helps, helping wherever she's needed and giving time and attention to it, uh, more specifically in, involved with, with youth and various functions with youth early on in, in bus ministry and Bible study. Now, I asked my wife if I should do this, and she never really gave me an answer, so I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Sister Vivian is my grandmother, so if I slip up and call her Mama, I'm not being disrespectful. That's just what I've called her for 36 years. And so everybody knows Mama. You can call her Sister Mama, Sister Vivian. She'll answer to either one. And so although each one of these sweet saints of God are diverse in their diverse in their ministry, they're diverse in even in even their lives. The common thread is this they all love God. They've all served Him. And they've they've done that without fail. And God has brought them to where they are tonight. They've stood the test of time in their walk with God. And so we want to hear from our elders we need to hear the voice of the elders and so with that we are going to get underway brother gibson we we understand that everyone here tonight comes from different backgrounds we all come from different walks of life even some of us from either uh different eth- ethnical backgrounds even um even uh, diverse cultural backgrounds and not all of us were raised apostolic pentecostal uh, not all of us have experienced this at a very young age, and such with some of you. And so, if you would, would you just talk to us for a few moments? Would you recount your conversion to oneness apostolic and how you came to God? Would you Would you do that for just a few moments for us? Uh, sure. Uh, um, First, I'd like to say Brother Boyd had me to sit on this edge because he says I always live on the edge. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. Uh, I wasn't raised uh, Pentecost. I didn't know anything about Pentecost whatsoever. I uh, visited churches occasionally when I was younger and uh, knew, knew some things about what was... Uh, Thought was required of man, but uh, I guess um, the story begins with me when I needed to meet a dad that I had never ever met. My mom and dad were divorced when I was very young, and I had a lot of relatives around here and spent a lot of time around here, here in Brand- here in Hatch Bend. But uh, after going into the service, and I know this is taking me back a little bit there and if I'm running out of time just let me know but uh, I joined the military and I got out and uh, things you know it was kind of a trying time they was uh, I didn't know what to do I had never I had spoke to my my father at one time because my brother had found where he was at and that was down in Bradenton Florida 
uh, while in a hunting trip here one day, uh, got very hot and warm, and I looked at my cousin, most of you know around here, her name is Randall Liston. I said, how would you like to go down and see if you can find my dad with me? So we endeavored, and we did, I didn't know at that time this was going to be the beginning of something that God had planned for a long time. And so I went down there and making the story short, I found him and became acquainted with him. And, um, uh, so meeting him, uh, uh, he started to introduce me to some of the folks of relatives I didn't know. Most of y'all know now is Billy and Betty Dyer, which I didn't even know I had them. Didn't even know I had cousins. Well, they had been in the church for a while and, began to ask me to go to church with them. And uh, I wasn't interested at the time. You know, I was just uh, me. And, uh, but things began to happen, and so I'm just kind of shortening this story up, a lot to be told, but uh, not knowing anything about Pentecost. I didn't know anything about Jesus' name, baptism, Pentecost, Holy Ghost, or anything like that. And, they began to talk that kind of language to me, and I didn't know what they were talking about. But uh, being with my dad for a while and got an acquainted with him, didn't know him very long, and he was in a severe accident that fell off of a building about 40 feet to the ground, and uh, which he landed on his head on a concrete floor, and it... Uh, of course, sent him to the hospital, and he lived about 12 days, and he died. And during this, I I had, I was looking, you know, of course, I was stirred now about trying to find something about God and find some relief, and I had went back to the only ways that I had ever really known, another persuasion, I'll put it that way, and for, you know, uh, kindness purposes. But uh, I found no relief there, you know. And uh, uh, so uh, we had, a, we of course had a funeral coming up. And they brought my, uh, we went to the funeral that day. And we had, of course, like they do often, is go and visit the family of those that were, uh, uh, who had just who had just went through this tragedy, and um, the, we had went into a house to my my dad's house, and um, there was a lot of there was some Pentecostal people there that I didn't know. I knew Billy and Betty Dyer, and uh, I had met the pastor because I did go to church one time. Uh, before this little incident, and uh, uh, I would see, and, and let me just stop off right there for a moment and, and add up something here, that my cousin would come over, Betty, and then would come over, and I knew that she was going to ask me to go to church. And uh, so I seen her coming one day, she pulled up there in the yard, her and Brother Bill, and... Uh, I said, oh, no, I seen my dad, and I said, here comes Betty. She's going to ask me to go to church. I don't want to go to church. 
And so what I done is I took off and went to one of the boys' bedroom back there and I jumped in bed. That didn't stop Betty Dyer. She come crawling in the bedroom on her hands and knees. That's a fact. Hands and knees. They asked me to go to church, and I and foolish me, me, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If my dad will go to church, I'll go to church with you. And she went and asked my dad to go to church, and I'll be doggone if he didn't want to go to church. <laughs> I said, boy, that didn't work at all, did it? So I ended up going to church, and... There was a lot of Holy Ghost-filled people there, about like the scared slam to death before I got out and got in the car and left that night. But I knew I knew that it had moved my heart, you know. So going back to the funeral there, I knew the pastor uh, from from the ministry there, and some other folks that were in there, and then there was that other persuasion here, uh, Shirley, which was my stepmother. She had. Um, uh, got that other persuasion preacher to preach the funeral, and he and one of the deacons had come into the house there, was standing by the front door, and I know it's, I'm leading up to something here, is, uh, and some other folks there, and, uh, my grandmother happened to be there, which they called Big Mom, and, uh, she was sitting there on the couch, of course, weeping and crying. She just lost her youngest son, and uh, uh, then she began to have a heart attack. And uh, uh, the Lord had had, and, and in some other notes I have here, it showed it showed me that He was going to show me this oneness and this this truth. And maybe if in time I can get to explain that a little bit, but but uh, anyway, the when this when she started having this heart attack, uh, nobody knew what to do. But those Pentecostal folks, they knew what to do. So they stood up. I didn't know what to do, and I watched them get up, walk over to that couch, lay hands on my grandmother, and began to pray for. Her. And God touched her and healed her immediately. And at that point, I remember looking and saying, this is what I've been looking for. This is, this is the truth that I've been looking for. And so from that on, the rest of the story, that is how I come to the knowledge of uh, a beginning. It was just the beginning of a tale of... Uh, what I am today is uh, because of that incidence of trying to find out where my dad is. Of course, it, uh, the great penalty, uh, I've often said that my dad, I miss him and wished uh, I could see. I only got to know him for about a year or so, but I thank God for that. But I thank God for this glorious, glorious truth. Sister Merle, can you can you tell us how you came to God, how God showed Himself to you? Well, 
No, I, I really I didn't know what I was going to have to say up here. But anyway, all my life I would have been in church. My mom and daddy was already in church, and he was a, a preacher, a real preacher. And he would tell it like it is, and you could do it or leave it alone. He didn't beg you, but he told you the truth. And we had a big family, of course, and we went to different churches uh, for for years at first. You know, well, he he was te- uh, established seven churches during his ministry in in that, but. I just like I said, I just I've never known anything else but church. And I thank God for it. Yes, ma'am. I, I don't know what is all out there in the world. Yes, never ma'am. did know but, but very little. Right. Uh, 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 whatever. <laughs> but anyway, I'm here today by the grace of God. Yes, ma'am. And I've had a good life. And I've been, I played in church here for 64 years. Now you played the guitar, is played that right? Played the guitar yes, and sang. Now can, can you tell us the year that you got the Holy Ghost? I got the Holy Ghost when I was nine years nine. old, yes. Nine. Now some of that time, I, I never did, uh, as Sister Dorothy used to say, I never dyed my hands in, uh, dipped my hands in the dye or whatever way she said it. They know what I'm talking about, their children do. <laughs> and the rest of them that was here when she was saying it. But I, I've made it yes, this far and never wanted to turn back. I'd been where I couldn't get to church sometimes. But that's life. Yes, ma'am. We, um, we married young, and we had to make had to make a living, and we didn't have any money. <laughs> but we didn't get wasn't that close enough we could walk to church. But we came when we did. Daniel Daniel was a good provider, and he we we came to church. Yes, ma'am. So, and I love this place. I love this, and I've never. Never been another, a member of no other church. Never wanted to do nothing but what I'm doing. <laughs> That's okay. You just hold Mama, can you tell us about how you came to God? Well, in 1970, uh, the pastor of a She's for Christ church had come to the city that I lived in, and he and another helper, I guess is what he was, Brother Eddie Douglas, they came that day and knocked on my front door. And I had a lady that we were real good friends. We both had a child the same age, and our other children were in school, so we just more or less fellowship with one another, and that's what we were doing that morning. Kids was playing in the backyard, and we could see them. So anyway, this preacher and his assistant, they come and knocked at the door. We invited them in, 
and I just sit and listen, you know, to what they were saying. But this other girl, she just, oh, she asked 10,000 questions about, you know, what the church was, where it started, all this. But really, I was hoping they'd hurry up and leave, you know, because I wasn't interested either at that time. But this was 1969, the end of 1969. So between uh, 69 and 1970, I had cancer. And uh, that gets your attention, you know. And uh, I had a two-year-old. My baby was only two. And uh, when it first, when I first found out, I didn't know, you know, the outcome. I didn't know that I could have surgery and be over it. But anyway, I was terrified. My husband was too. And in that hospital, I stayed 21 days. And I began to think about, you know, how my children will wind up, what's going to take part with them. And I said, Lord, if you will raise me up out of this bed and give me the power, I promise you that I'll see that they're in church. So I was not able to drive for about six months. And uh, there was a little denominal church down the street. So we started walking down there. You know, I'd take the kids. And so it was, you know, it's what I'd known all my life, not anything new. But anyway, we had dinner on the grounds that day. And they voted not to have service that night. So in the meantime, this pastor had become friends uh, with my husband. And he gave him uh, racks to dry peanut brittle. If any of you have been in Pentecost very long, you've sold peanut brittle or ate it at one. Yeah, it was good, too. But anyway, uh, that's how we, you know, took care of the church uh, after I got the Holy Ghost. But anyway... This is leading up to that. Uh, That night, I was able to drive, and I took the kids. My husband told me, though, he said, that preacher that I give them racks to said they uh, have been inviting us to church. And he said, said, I told him that that's a church like my wife might like because I was raised up, as they used to say, holiness, you know. Holiness background. But anyway, never attended church like I should. But anyway, we went that night. And when I walked in, I knew it was different. I knew there was something there that I didn't have and that I would like to have it. So the preacher was preaching, but I opened my Bible because the preacher's wife had come up and sit down uh, side of me, you know. And I was just looking down at my Bible. And I read Acts 2.38 that I had read hundreds of times before, but never saw it that way. So I had, uh, in that six months' time, though, I knew the Holy Ghost was real, but I never had it. But I said, Lord, if it's real, please give it to me. I need it. So that this was on a, a Sunday. And on Wednesday night, we went back. So I talked to the pastor and his wife and told them what the Lord had showed me, you know, and they knew that it was the truth because that's what they were preaching. But anyway, I was baptized in uh, September of 1970, 
I received the Holy Ghost uh, the 13th of September. God gave me the Holy Ghost on credit, I guess, because <laughs> I hadn't been baptized and I knew you were supposed to be. But anyway, I thank God that he did. And uh, then we've moved to different cities and different t- towns. And we always work with young people because we had young people. And I'd rather them be at my house than I had to be off somewhere else. So uh, we just have always, you know, catered all of our church life to the young people, church uh, bus ministry and knocking doors and things like that. But anyway, uh, my husband, it was seven years before he received the Holy Ghost. But I lived long enough to see him filled with the Holy Ghost and living for God. And I thank God for this truth. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, it's the best thing you'll ever, ever own. And it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. And I thank y'all. And so, and so with, the, with the, the testimonies, even though they're diverse, it, it all has a common thread. It, it all comes down to hunger. That if you hunger and thirst after God, after righteousness, he will lead you and guide you in the right direction into his marvelous truth. You, you did allude to this a little bit about your revelation of the oneness of God and water baptism yeah. and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that was in Acts 2.38. Can you, can you go into a little bit more detail about that, where you were? You, you had explained that you were in church, well, that you I, had come to church. I had come to the church to visit. But I saw Acts 2.38, and I began to weep. And the pastor's wife put her arm up around me, and she said, do you want to pray? And I said, I've just found out why I've never received the Holy Ghost. I said, I've never been baptized in the name of Jesus. And uh, so she, uh, we talked to the pastor, you know, and he went ahead and, and baptized. I was baptized with a girl that got the Holy Ghost the same time I did, and her children was baptized in a mill pond where I was baptized. But that was in 1972. And that was in LaGrange? In LaGrange, Georgia. Mm -hmm. Sister Merle, can can you kind of talk to us tonight about your revelation? You said that you were raised in church, and I believe that you can be raised in church and, and you're taught the truth, but I believe that the the truth of God is a revelation to all of us, whether we're raised in church or whether we're not. Can you, can you allude to that? Yes. I got to read it all. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, anyway. But anyway, one. Oh, I can never use this. What was I saying now? You're going to talk about the revelation of of the oneness of God, baptism. One day I was at my mother's house, and this this had been troubling me. And I'd say, Lord, I know that there's not, I know there's a God, and I know there's not but one, but I just don't understand it. Just don't understand it. And Mama tried to explain it to me. And I still didn't. But one day I just looked up in the sky like that, and it just opened up. You hear them 
saying like a scroll or something like that. Just roll it, and I saw it so plain, and that picture is still in my mind. Yeah. Yes. Still in my mind. And I wouldn't take nothing for it. I'd give anything I have to not ever have to lose this. Oh, yes. That's all. Brother Gibson, you had mentioned that you wanted to to talk a little bit more about that. Just hold it. And your uh, your experience with the revelation. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought a lot about the questions, you know, that I've got a lot of footnotes here that, <laughs> so I could remember what to say and my mind don't remember like I used to, so... But I, it, I noticed that the question there, and same as what you're asking me, it said, explain the revelation of the oneness of God and water baptism. So this is going back uh, a little bit here. And um, I was trying to find that, that the answer. I'd like Sister Merle, and I needed to, to know. That's just Osborne, and I come in church the same time you did there. Sister. Wow. So, uh, matter of fact, I received the Holy Ghost in 72. Wow. And, uh, but uh, fleecing back in those days was uh, a big deal in the church. I don't know why it was, but I began to fleece God. Yeah. And, uh, can you just, can you just, for some that might not understand, what that is, can you? Well, can yeah, you just in, the, in the scriptures, Gideon had a little trouble getting ready to go to war. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess I think it was the Midianites. Yeah. And uh, uh, so he would take and lay a woolen fleece, uh, which is a hide off of a sheep. And he would pray and ask the Lord. He said, Lord, if I lay this down on the ground, in the morning, I want the fleece to be wet and the ground dry. And if it was so, then that meant you wanted me to go to war. And I'm just highlighting this, you know. So he did it, and the Lord answered the prayer. And the ground was dry, the fleece was wet. Well, still not sure. he done it just the opposite. The next night, he wanted the, ground, the fleece to be dry and the ground wet. And, of course, God answered the prayer. And that was called fleecing today. And back in those days, I don't know how it was, but when I come to the church, that was kind of a, a well-common thing to do was to fleece the Lord. Well, I would, uh, <laughs> silly me, I would go down and believe, you know, and I'd go down and try to fleece the Lord, not that it's a silly thing, is but, but I would go down and sit under an oak tree somewhere and ask the Lord, Lord, now if this is really you, this is really the truth. Now, this, this is me. If this is really the truth, then I'm going to catch this old fish here and he's going to be a yellow belly catfish. <laughs> it works. That's a fact. Yeah. And you know what, Sister Boyd? I called a yellow belly catfish. But you got to remember this one thing. I knew what was in that water. (laughs) (laughs) 
So after a while, I decided this ain't working because everything I'd asked for, I got. <laughs> but I still didn't get the revelation. <laughs> so I was pretty serious about this thing. I was going to find out what was going on about truth. And so uh, I knew that there was people believed that you had to be baptized to be saved. And I knew that there were some folks believed that you didn't have to be baptized to be saved. So the, the question gnawed at me that I needed to know the answer. So, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was pretty stubborn back in those days. And uh, so I found a book. I read a book of, uh, uh, by um, David, uh, Andrew Barr David Urshan. Tongues of Fire for Jesus, which uh, I like to read. And uh, I read that book, and it answered a lot of questions for me. And one of the last things that he said in his book was, be, beware of the TV box. So <laughs> I knew this guy was on to something. So I, I really didn't know who he was. I know more about him now, but he was a missionary that came for to America to preach about Jesus' name, baptism. And uh, so realizing, you know, just realizing that this fleecing wasn't helping my faith at all, I decided that I'd try faith. Yeah. So one morning, this is a fact, I, I got up one morning and it was bothering me so much that I walked out, I started crying and weeping before the Lord and I walked outside of my house, out the front door, and I said, I want to know the truth. God, if there even is a God, I want to know the truth. And that's how serious I was about that thing, that, that he would show me the truth. So I found out that God was really gracious to me and began to open my eyes to a lot of understanding. And so... Um, So some of the things that I told you about meeting my when my dad had the heart attack and died was one of those things that God revealed to me then. And so many other little things, it was the little things that God kept showing me. It wasn't the big things, it wasn't the big miracles, it was the little things, which I thought, you know, in time maybe we get to talk about those things one day, but... But the scripture that stood out to me the most uh, because of revealing it to me, God began to open up different scriptures and I began to see and have the understanding of them. But the one that stood out to me the most and still stands out to me today was found in 1 John 5 and 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And when I seen that, I seen truth. I understood it. So I'm thankful today for the truth of this great message that God has, uh, and, he's, and, and it's like I said, it's constantly always been the little things. The little things. 
And I know, you, I know you got more questions in here, but it was the little things that kept me going yeah. that made me endure to the day where I'm at right now today. If I read a scripture and it said, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread, I believed it. Yes, I believed. He, he, if, when, when everybody else was out of work and looking for jobs, I'd say, God, I need this job. And there it was. God was there to take care of me and feed me and feed my family. And uh, uh, just if I got two more minutes. Two more minutes. Me and my wife was young. We moved into a house. We had just gotten married. Moved into my dad's old house. Had been abandoned for quite a while. And we were silly enough to move in there. And I had read a book. Here we go, book reading. I had read a book by Oma Ellis. And you know, she was an evangelist that went around all over the United States, California, Midwest, and uh, preached a lot of revivals. And she was going to preach a little revival in a little town in Oklahoma. Had no place to go to. But some guy gave her a house, a building to go and uh, start a revival in, if that's what she wanted to do. But going in there... She, had, she found all kinds of varmints inside of this building. Snakes, frogs, things you didn't want to live with, you know. And uh, I thought about how Sister Ellis went and prayed and told, you know, he, she prayed because she wanted those things out of there. Yeah. Well, those things got out of there in the name of Jesus. They left. <laughs> So me and my wife moved into this house and it was rat infested. But it was about all we could afford, nothing. <laughs> so we sit on the couch at night and throw slippers and boots at the rats when they run by on the floor. <laughs> and we'd turn off the lights and see how many roaches got on the walls before we'd turn the lights back on. So I began to pray and ask the Lord. I thought about this book, and if only Ellis could do it, I could do it. And I prayed. And you know what? It didn't just make those things disappear. The next day, there come a big old yellow tomcat up there in my yard, had a head look like a watermelon. <laughs> he come up there in my yard, and he began to chase rats and run after rats, and he killed rats. He was so full of me, get him in there out in the front yard and bounce around like balls. <laughs> and one day, all those rats got gone, and that cat got gone. I knew it was the hand of the Lord, because I don't know where that cat came from or where he went to. I just called him Cat. That's the kind of things God does for me. And I'm glad of it. Thank you, brother. It's the, it's the little things. The little he things. He cares about the little it's things. always yes, the little does. things. And if you are faithful to him, he'll be faithful to you. That's it. As we've already stated tonight, we, we, live, we live in an unprecedented time. We live in an ever-changing world. Yet, living for God takes work. No matter what decade we're in, no matter the situations that surround us, the, the fact that we need to live for God does not 
is not taken away by any by any situation and, and and no matter what's going on around us whether we're in times of peace or times of war to live for God still takes work it still takes real work whether we're from an affluent family or whether we're not whether we're in some geographical place that is that is blessed or whether we're on the backside of a desert it still takes work to live for God and so in relation to that with time and circumstance can you can you talk to us just a few minutes and can you compare your generation to our generation and even contrast them the landscape of society and and how things have changed for the good or for the bad and explain that in that time what kept your resolve to live for God what what kept you walking with God all these years. Can you can you talk about that for just a few minutes? Well, Brother Chris, I think, first of all, when you start on this journey, you've got to have a made-up mind. You've got, your mind's got to be God-centered. It can't be on what's in the past or what is to come, but you've got to keep your mind straight. But I think what's kept me is when I first got the Holy Ghost, there were three women in the church, not very many men. But we made peanut brittle just about twice, three times a week. Well, that took me away from my other worldly life. I had no time to spend, you know, doing worldly things. I was busy doing the work of the Lord. And I think that keeps you grounded if you you got to stay with a made-up mind and with people that are around you have the same goals. Because if you get the Holy Ghost and you go back out and pick up the old friends that you had, before you know it, you'll be right back where you were. But we made peanut brittle three, two or three times a week, and our children played together. That helped, too, because my children weren't interested in worldly things. They kept their minds, you know, they were church-minded. And uh, another thing that I think keeps you grounded and with a made-up mind is there's nothing to go back to. There's nothing compared to living for God. And the the trade-off would mean nothing to me. But anyway, I I know that God, you know, he, he began to work with me and deal with me and I, I'm so grateful till I don't want to go back. I never did. I love him, and I, I want to make it. This is not a, uh, it's not a running race, but it's something that you start the beginning, and you've got to finish the race. It won't happen in ten days, and it won't happen in ten years. And the, you don't get. Just because you get the Holy Ghost, you repent of your sins, and you're baptized in Jesus' name, you still have to work and keep your mind made up to live for Him. And you got to want Him more than anything else in the world, and He'll come see about you. So, so no matter what's going on, whether what type of society we live in, it's it's essentially the same it's as the same. it was for you. It's the same for us. Same, same now as it was then. It takes the same made-up mind. 
that you want to live for God. Amen. And that's it. I know that some of the answers that we hear for this particular question may be very similar, but I think we need to hear from our elder generation to know that that even though we, I guess what I'm getting at is we, we live in a very trying time. We, we live in, in uncertain times. But the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And so the same things that they went through that we are going through now may not be as similar in, in the respect of the particular situation, but it's the same connotation. It still takes work. Sister Merle, can you talk to us about your walk with God and, and, and how God has, has kept you and, how, and what has worked for you uh, in, work, in walking with God all these years? I was, would come to church. There was no music to play, and Daddy, lo- he, he didn't want to preach, or, or didn't, he liked music in the church. And I was the only one at that, that time could play the guitar and sing. And he, that, I, I came, whether I wanted to or not, for my, for the sake of Daddy needing this, or wanting it, you know, and I think I know that is why I never strayed too far, because I see I needed to be here uh, and play the guitar for church, and these this land family can tell you they're my family too. They are. I tell anybody, and and uh, they they know how could probably tell this same story I'm telling. So, I thank God that I kept on coming, kept on coming, whether I wanted to or not. So you you had something to hold you. Yes, sir. You had something. Yes, sir. You had a job to do. I, I did. And, and, I, and did. I, don't, I don't mean that disrespectful, but we, we all need to do something. That's right. It needs to, there needs to be something that we, we can take part in, something that yeah. we can call our own to say that this is, this is my church and this is my walk with God mm-hmm. and I'm going to do everything that I can to make mm-hmm. sure that it's successful and that I'm successful. And walking with God, you you were here at the beginning. Can, I've been here all the time. Can you can you tell us a little bit about it? For some of us that may not know how this church got started, I sure can. I would love for you to do that. I'm waiting to for you to ask. Me. <laughs> I'll just read it to you. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> One Sunday morning. July the 6th of 1940, we were living in uh, Fort White. My daddy came in and told my mother, said, Matt, he called her Matt, Matt, I want you to, you and William Merle to get, stay in the kitchen there and get, get us an early dinner because uh, uh, I want to go over around Branford somewhere. I want to go over around Branford. Well, Mama didn't say one word. 
we 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 went ahead and said get all the let Willmerle be getting all these young ones ready. <laughs> Had six of them besides me to fix for to help get ready. So we that's what we did, and uh, we, when we turned came to he didn't know. We didn't know it at that time, but see, he did. He just had had a vision of a, a, a road that that he wanted to go, go on. He had never been to Branford, and when we <laughs> when we but when we got to this bridge, Mama almost passed out because it didn't have a cover over it then just side rails and and, and she had a carload of children in the back but anyway it, she, uh, she didn't say anything but she was scared and when we turned when we got, he got over, over the bridge he said he saw that little road that is still there still there said Matt this is the road that I saw in my vision, and it's exactly what it looked like. So he turned down that, and she still wasn't saying anything. But after a while, there was some. Uh, we came to some bridge, little bridges that, <laughs> that I think they're still there too. You could come over, and the water was there. Oh. Mama just held her breath. She was so afraid something was going to happen, and we didn't have no nobody would there be there to help us. And so we come kept coming on till we got right. The ones that come from there now know what I'm where I'm saying. It uh, when we got to there, he said, "Well, Matt, there's the tent just." Like God showed it to me, there was a tent meeting going on here. But these people wanted to; they was ready to move on, and they had. When we got there, Brother LTDs came out and met us, and and uh, uh, Daddy. Now, now, Brother Dees was the traveling evangelist that had come to this area. No, Is that right? No, Brother no. Dees was the one that was taken, they was on their land. These evangelists okay, okay. was on their, his land. But they had told him, they had fasted all the week before, mm-hmm. that all the week, and they had gone into town to, to get some food to eat. And so he said, he, he told Brother Elsie, he said, if any, anybody comes here, Anybody comes here, you you don't let them get away till we be come back. Cause I, they said we just go in and get a bite to eat, and we'll be right back. And that's what he did, and that's how we got out here. Wow. Daddy, they and the man, they was packing up to leave the next morning, but they was gonna have church that night, and the land lands was at that. Some of them that's here now don't remember it because they, but they they've heard me tell it. <laughs> but anyway, that's where 
we started from. That, I mean, that, if and you think about that. They asked me if he'd stay that night in the, 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 these, the lands and the others. There was a couple more families, but I can't think of their name because I've been too, I've been close enough to the lands. I, I know them. <laughs> Good. <Yeah. laughs> but anyway. If you, th- if you think about that and, and how close it came to we might not even be here right. now. Mm-hmm. There hadn't have been a man that was in tune with God <laughs> and not only heard his voice, not only saw where he needed to go, but he, he stepped out on faith and did it. And I, I can speak for myself. I felt impressed to do things and didn't do it. And so I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we're here tonight, able to do what we're doing, because a man was devoted to God, heard him, and listened and obeyed. Brother Gibson, can, can, you, can you talk to us a few minutes about your generation? Can you compare it to ours and just talk about what has kept you through these years in living and walking with God? Well, our the generation we're now started into the church was uh, well the Vietnam you know as far as society goes itself the Vietnam War was still going on pretty heavy yeah. and uh, things like Woodstock was getting going hippies were on the move yeah. <laughs> yeah. yelling they're wearing their flowery clothes yeah. uh, seemed like the whole world was just changing and uh, it wasn't a change that I was wanting to be a part of, really, because I had got enough of the revelation of Jesus Christ, which I just previously told you. But I haven't told you how I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost yet. Or so, so these are. This is the very thing you know that that was going to separate me from the generation that was around about me at that time. Uh, I seen a need and I wanted to be a part of the church and so uh, seeing and understanding uh, this revelation that the Lord had given me now the oneness of God and I'm kind of like you Sister Arbor and I needed to be baptized and I knew that so uh, our church was a little storefront church in 12 in 12th Street in Sarasota, Florida. And uh, I went to my pastor and at that time and told him I had seen, you know, I wanted to be baptized in Jesus' name. And he took me down to the Sarasota Bay off of St. Armand's Key out there and there was fishing boats everywhere and people around there fishing and swimming and we were having a baptism. And uh, I got baptized in Jesus' name, and when I come up out of the water, I felt the weight of the whole world leave my whole being. I never thought when I'd done that that I would experience what I had experienced. So if you've never experienced baptism in Jesus' name and you got the weight of the world on you, then you need to go talk to Jesus about this baptism. 
Because you know what, Brother Osborne? God has never loaded me down with anything like that since. Amen. I've never been loaded down with sin that I couldn't get, that the Lord couldn't forgive me of. But he never let me get so much that I couldn't bear it. And God would forgive me of that. But when I come out of the water that day, I, 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 I knew that weight was gone. I, something I never dreamed would ever happen. That, that feeling of, I felt righteous. I felt holy. I felt clean. I felt like something I never ever felt before. And somebody had the notion to tell me, you ain't seen nothing yet. I said, what? He said, no, you ain't seen the best is yet to come. And so, if they was something better than what I had just experienced, I wanted it. So some of you folks might know the Johnses over yonder. Brother and sister Johns, Jimmy Johns, and the late, uh, his wife, and um, we were, they were in the same church we were in. And so I began to seek out the Lord. I wanted that Holy Ghost. And I sought it out and sought it out till one day Brother Jimmy Johns came to me and he said, Brother Gibson, if you want the Holy Ghost, we need to just get down serious about this thing and do some fasting. And I didn't know what fasting was, you know, so you're going to have to explain this to me and uh, so we, but so we did it, and we went to fasting and seeking the Lord. And uh, about the third day, uh, I couldn't stand it no more. I'd picnicked all I wanted to picnic there, and so I decided to uh, th- that that there was enough fasting. I brought you up to this point was because the the Johnses and the Dyers were great musicians. They liked to play music a lot. So just happenstance that one night after this fast was over with, they were all going to get together and make some music together. And we all come to the Dyers' house. And we went inside of there, and uh, so they picked up the guitars and all their instruments and began to play music. But it was—it sounded like you know something out of nowhere. Just couldn't get it together, and they were good. So once somebody suggested, then says, "Why don't we just read our Bibles for a few minutes?" Then so they pulled out their Bibles started reading their Bibles, and that didn't work. And it's a bad thing when you can't get the Bible to work. So that didn't work, and somebody said, well, let's go back and uh, let's make music again. So they tried that, and I know that that didn't work again. And then somebody come up with the idea, I don't know who it was, I think it was Sister Dyer, come up with the idea, why don't we just pray? And we got down, all of us, in that little old living room, began to pray. And in the matter of a few minutes, Mr. Mar- Sister Burl, I was speaking in tongues. I mean, I was speaking in tongues. God wanted to fill me with the Holy Ghost more than I wanted it. 
and he filled me with the Holy Ghost and I must have spoken tongues for about two or three hours around there. And that's what kept me all these many years was enough of that Holy Ghost. Not not like we see a lot of, I'm not being critical, but not like we see a lot of folks get it nowadays in a few minutes and then they're all done and shut up with it. But, uh, But man, when I got enough of it, I had enough of it. <laughs> I mean, I got full of that Holy Ghost, and I believe if you get full of the Holy Ghost, you'll never quit this gospel. It'll always keep you, because you'll know where you came from. Hallelujah. That's, that's, that's the way it was back in that generation. You know, and... Uh, I've always remembered something, and I'll, and I'll be quiet here. But I, I remembered C.M. Beckham preaching a message a long time ago, and I can't remember all the ins and outs of it, but he said in 1906, during the Azulia Street Revival, the Holy Ghost spoke and said three things are going to happen in the last days. The first two I can't remember. I used to have them on notes somewhere, but I can't remember them. But the last one was this, always stuck in my mind. It says, in the last days, people will sing praises unto a God that they will not pray to. And I think we have to be really careful of that in this generation. That we don't allow affluent, that we don't allow the world, and we don't let, allow time to get involved in our lives and keep the Holy Ghost. It is the answer to everything in the church today. And that's why I'm here today, brother. I want you to, I want you to follow that up, if you don't mind, Brother Gibson, uh, with the last question. Uh, you've already alluded to it, but I want you to go into a little bit more detail. In your opinion, with someone that's just coming in to this truth and to this church, even in this congregation here, uh, a new convert. What what would you what in your opinion? What would be the thing that they would need to make their main focus? Okay. In in coming in into truth. Okay, I wrote down some things, and I and I'll make this really short. So this is what I really believe. Stay faithful to God, no matter what. No matter what, stay faithful. Stay faithful to God. And uh, what I have to say about this generation, because we're in this generation, yes, sir. is I knew what Brother Brother Beckham was talking about. But I believe today, and this is what I feel, I thank God today for this generation, many wise, prudent men who have organized themselves with other men full of integrity, honesty, and trust. And such an influence on the saints have made the generation of this, of the church rapture ready. This church is rapture ready because of wise men. Listen to what they have to say in this generation. Hallelujah. It's not a falling away for the church. Hallelujah. But I wanted to 
I had one thing here that I wrote down. If you'll give me. Bear with me here. Okay. I wrote here, my opinion is this. Never be afraid to put God to the test. Do it with humility and sincerity and truth. God is never afraid to show you the truth. Never be afraid, and let me use these words, to even challenge God to the truth as long as you do it with humility because God will always, he's not afraid for you to know the truth because here's what Micah in chapter 6, verse 8 said. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. Wow. And what doeth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? I think that's the answer to living for God in this generation that we have today. And I thank God, hallelujah, that he showed us the truth and God's not afraid to teach you what you need to know. And don't be afraid and go ask of him. He'll always answer your prayer. God bless you. Sister Merle, can you, can you tell us what, in your opinion, a new convert would need to make their, their primary focus just coming into, into truth. Let me see. Uh, uh, you're asking me what I think. Yes, ma'am. A good, steady pray life and studying the Word of God. Learn, learn some of this book instead of reading some of these magazines you pick up. You know, they like to read them. I never did, but like to read them. <laughs> That's what I think. Amen. We need to pray every day. Yes, ma'am. Won't you close us out and tell us what you think? A new convert needs to make their primary focus in their walk with God. Well, Brother Chris, first of all, I think that you've got to have a made-up mind. But you've got to do what this Word says. You, and you can't do it without talking to the, to the one that's in charge. You have to have a steady prayer life. And you also... You have to keep reading because when I first got the Holy Ghost, I had read and read and read because when I was coming up, we didn't have newspapers. I mean, we didn't have books, a library where you could go to and check out books. No internet to order them. No, uh, very, very few bookstores. But we read the newspaper and the Bible. 
that was that was what I learned to read in the first grade. But they've done away with all that now. You've got the Bible everywhere. But anyway, I suggest that you stay in the Word of God, stay close to the church, and don't just try to take somebody else with you. That's our goal is to win souls. And you might think, I know sometimes I feel like that I'm sort of handicapped because I can't get out and visit and knock doors and things like I used to. But every time I've said, Lord, lay somebody or give me the opportunity to tell somebody, he always sends somebody, whether it's a little child asking questions or whether it's an old person that I talk to on the phone, I always get a chance to witness and that's, that's what I feel like, because if you are witnessing to people and telling them how good God is, they're going to watch you and see how good you are to him. Thank you all. Yes, ma'am. You close us out. You just go ahead and close us out with that. The children of Israel was saved by the water of the Red Sea. The Egyptians was drowned by the water of the Red Sea. We are saved today by water baptism in Jesus' name representing the Red Sea. The unbeliever will be lost because of or from the Red Sea. Amen. Clap our hands. Why don't we stand together? I think that every single one of us can take away something tonight, not just one demographic of church. But what we've proven here tonight is that everything that has been said, everything that's been talked about, is proof positive that it can be done. It can be done. No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, if we've lived for God for 10 minutes or 50 years, we can do this. And we can live for God. And we can, we can be the elder one day that could speak to another generation and to another generation as long as the Lord would tarry. I hope you've enjoyed tonight. I certainly have. I want to do this more often and just sit and talk about the goodness of God and what he's done. But why don't we close this service out with prayer. Let's ask the Lord to seal what we've heard tonight in our hearts and in our minds and help us to hold fast to it. Can we do that? Lord Jesus, we love you tonight, God. We thank you for your goodness, Lord, and your mercy. God, that you would find us here, Lord, that you would allow us to be here. God, to open up your word, God, and to talk about the goodness and and the things that you have done for us, God. We want to reach back into our elder generation, God, and we want to reach forward into our future generations, God, and keep this truth alive, to keep this gospel going, Lord, and to be kingdom-minded. I'm asking you, Lord, to touch every mind, every heart that's in this place tonight. God, give us a resolve to live for you, Lord through thick and thin, God, through whatever comes our way. 
Lord, we trust you and we thank you for who you are. And we give you praise for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And the church said amen. We're dismissed tonight. Let's come back on Sunday expecting God to do great things once again. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.